about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. Hey everyone, and welcome once again to Safe Place for Men. All right, this is Thomas Edward, your male survivor resiliency and leadership and development coach. All right, coming to you from Sacramento, California. It is 7 11 a.m. in the morning, and uh, we had a nice little, little, but still kind of a little thunderstorm that came through. Um, early early this morning and you know the lightning and stuff was going and the thunder and mojo the little my little dog here that i'm actually dog setting for the shiba inu uh yeah he was just kind of whining around because he didn't like he didn't like the thunder but man i was just so thankful for just a little rain to come and you know the brown grass that i have out front that i have been watering because we're in water restrictions and uh yeah, and so it just kind of cleared the air just a little bit. Now, like as you look outside, you know, there's still a few clouds left, but and the wind's kind of blowing, and I'm giving this idyllic, you know, picture here. But and uh, it's just great, and it's a little bit cooler. So I am just so thankful for today. Uh, on I'm gonna say not uh, so happy note though. Um, I was a little bit just kind of thrown off, you know. Uh, yesterday and it's just so hard with the COVID stuff and so I get a text from my sister-in-law and she's like hey you know we uh, they're unvaccinated so and uh, so she said oh so we you know we've all had the COVID her and the kids and she says but um she's like your brother's in the hospital uh, his oxygen levels are really low he's got the COVID right and he's on the ventilator so you know, I was just like, ah, oh, you know, it, it was just, you know, it just, it kind of hits you, you know, especially, you know, when, when they're close to you, it's a relative like that. And, um, you know, so it kind of hit me for a, a loop a little bit yesterday. So, I, you know, cried a little bit and just thought about a few things and, um, you know, um, it's just, you don't want to see your loved ones, whatever, in that condition. And especially if it can possibly be, you know, uh, avoided, you know, if possible, whatever line that you, that you fall on, uh, you don't want to see, you just, you don't want to see people, you know, dying. So, so uh, anyway, so I, you know, I asked her, I said, you know, so are they going to do the, you know, monoclonal, whatever treatment? And she's like, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happened. Hopefully, you know, that will work. And um, uh, I sent him just a, like, a, you know, I don't know what he's doing, just a fun text. And I just said, well, okay, now you remember what it felt like for me as a kid <laughs> when I had to be on, on the ventilator all the time because I have, I have really like severe asthma, right? And so that's one of the reasons when you hear me talk about the heat and smoke, uh, it, it's, it's serious for me because it puts me in the hospital. And then because of the way my lungs are, that I've been on the ventilator like so many times and it's just not a fun thing because it's, you know, it's like as you're there, you're like, wow, this could be my last breath type of thing. So it's not very pleasant uh, to be there. So, you know, just send out thoughts and prayers and, and stuff, you know, in his direction. And, and hopefully the treatment will work and he will get better and he'll be able to come um, home 
and um, you know, to his uh, four kids and and wife, and hopefully uh, that he can recover without a lot of the long hauler stuff. Because I've been noticing like a lot of people they're dealing with that the long hauler stuff um, afterwards. So after the COVID experience, so that's kind of where I'm at this morning. Uh, fortunately, um, unfortunately, after. Um, we had a special guest kind of lined up for you guys that I wanted to come on the show and I've talked with him before and, uh, you have, you guys haven't heard him, but you know, he's a, he's a friend and, uh, but something happened. And so, uh, cause he's, he's shooting a Hollywood film. <laughs> he's a director, uh, but he's also a survivor. And, uh, you know, and that's the cool thing, you know, uh, on this road, um, that I'm going to say just, Either if you want to say levels the playing field, there's no big eyes, there's no little use, you know, when we're thinking about this. And it's just that, you know, when we've had this experience, it just creates this bond for us. That's Mojo in the back, just scratching himself. So if you hear that, that's him. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it just puts us all on the same footing and, and level, right? And so I've had people, you know, to come to the workshops and stuff and, you know, that there are some have been, you know, celebrities and, but they're looking for help also, just like any normal survivor of sexual abuse. Now I always protect people's anonymity, right? And so, you know, that's why you won't hear me, you know, throw in this name unless they say they don't mind their name, whatever being used, but I just like to protect my clients as much as possible. But anyway, he was going to, he was going to be on today and just share with us, uh, pieces of his story. And I just wanted to want you guys to hear that, you know, from a perspective, from a celebrity perspective, so they can just help you to see that we're all in this together. So maybe uh, next time we'll try to get him on, um, maybe when he's not flying to whatever, direct some film or something. And, and we'll do that at that, that time. Um, okay, so someone and like I said, I never get names. So they went up to the website and they did the little assessment. Take your assessment. Because remember when you do the take assessment, it kind of lets you know if you were to go into the Break My Abuse Code program, it kind of gives you different profiles of where you're at. And so when you go through, it says, hey, you know, from the way that you responded, you're probably at this level, the acknowledge level, or maybe you're at the managing issues level. So we had an individual who went up and he took it. And so then he sent me some, some email and because he said, well, you know, I, t I, I took the assessment and it was pretty good because, you know, it puts me kind of at the acknowledged stage. But he says the, the hard thing about it is he's like, I, you know, it's hard for me to, I'm still trying to figure out if something happened or if something didn't happen, uh, the whole well, you guys know, right? It's the fragmented or incomplete memories. So what I want to do, so, and hopefully he's listening today, and I, I think he is. I just wanted to just throw this out there, and I know so many of you guys are just like, oh, we've talked about this before, like traumatic amnesia, those different type of things. So I'm just going to briefly, like I said, just for a bit, we're going to talk about um, this for today. Now, I have some other good news for you, for those of you that are in Dallas, Texas. Okay, Dallas, Texas. So if you're in Dallas, Texas, listen very closely. All right, so I've been asked to do a, um, I'm going to say a presentation, and this is for a small, small private group uh, there in Dallas, Texas. And, uh, of course, everyone's vaccinated and they're going to be social distance. 
but they're going to have me there and I'm going to be talking about COVID and it's called, I said, the world of the SCD syndrome. Now, SCD just simply means this, and this is a, a phrase, whatever that I coined, it's called self-created depression. And so I'm going to be talking about that and how we actually do that. And especially as survivors, um, there are things that we do that we actually create. I'm going to say the SCD, self-created depression. Now, it's not what we call the clinically diagnosed depression, but it has some of the same components. And there are ways that we can actually, if you want to say, move ourselves out of the SCD. But I'm just I'm noticing it more and more, especially with COVID, because it's adding, I'm going to say this extra layer, especially with the isolation that's taking place. So anyway, so I'll be in Dallas, Texas, October 1st through the 3rd. So here's the thing. If there are any survivors in Dallas, Texas, and you would like to possibly meet, I'm, I might have a couple hours, whatever free time, if you want to meet and you want to talk maybe a little bit about the program or, or, or share or, or whatever, pick my brain, you're more than welcome to. But here's the thing, okay? One, I need you to be vaccinated, okay? I just shared the story with my brother, right? And I don't need to be going through that. So we're going to take precautions as much as possible. So first of all, I need you to be vaccinated if we're going to, if we're going to meet. And of course, you know, we'll do the usual, you know, social distancing, those different type of things. But um, we're just doing what we can to mitigate those things. So if you are interested Okay, then just shoot me email at safeplaceformen at gmail.com. Okay, and then I'll, I'll you know, try to check my schedule and see if there's some time that we'll meet. I think I'm at, at like the Sheraton Hotel, something like that. Uh, I don't know if it's downtown. But anyway, we can figure out how to meet and just, just talk. And so, you know, maybe you wanted to share or, you know, um, there was one person on Instagram and uh, they said, wow, for the first time, and this person, this person is like in their 40s, for the first time, he's like, I've been going through all this stuff, and I finally met my first male survivor, right? He had gone all this time, he had never had any interaction with any other male survivors, right? And that was just through the conversation and stuff that he and I had, and, um, and he's not too far uh, in this area for me, so when we get an opportunity, we're going to try to meet up and just, just talk and so he has another friend, right? And so that's kind of what this is about. Now, if I get enough responses, it's like, oh my goodness, there's like 20 people, then you know what? Then maybe we need to create a workshop in Dallas, Texas, so we can go forward from there. But once again, I'll be there uh, the first through the third. So send me email if you're interested, safeplaceformen at gmail.com. All right, so... Let's talk a little bit about this fragmented or incomplete memories. Now, I'm going to, if you've heard this before, you know, you're probably in the background. I'll just see what you, what you remember. But I'm going to approach it from a, a, a different perspective. And this is, um, I think I've had, yeah, I've had David, David Lysak on. Um, and I want to share kind of from a perspective or forensic perspective. So this is what I want you to think because I try to explain this in ways that makes it easier, especially when we're talking about the neuroscience and stuff of the brain. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about a, a police officer. And so I want you to think they're whatever on a crime, their crime scene, okay? 
And so let's just say he's been called whatever 911 to a house. And so he opens the door, walks in, and suddenly he's staring at the end of a barrel, of a gun barrel. Now, what happens? Okay, In a split second, his brain is going to be hyper-focused. It's going to be hyper-focused on that gun. And so it's very likely that he's not going to recall any of the details that were, I'm going to say, irrelevant to his immediate survival. So, you know, stuff like, well, you know, what color clothes was the person wearing? Did he have a mustache? Um, what color was the, the shooter's hair? Um, you know, what type of shoes did, did he have on? Okay. Now, that officer's reaction is not because he had poor training, right? Because, you know, they teach you about details and keeping up on the details and all these things when, when you're going through the course. But it's that his brain is reacting to a life-threatening situation just the way that it's supposed to. In other words, your, your, your brain is created and formed to do that just the way that your brain is supposed to. So think about this now from the perspective of the, the sexual uh, abuse. If you're a sexual abuse victim, your brain is reacting to the assault, okay? The abuse, the coercion, the molestation, whatever it is that however you've defined it. So in the aftermath, let's just say, let's go back to the officer. So the officer might not be able to recall, I'm going to say, many important details. So he may be uncertain about many. He may be confused about some. He may recall some detail, but actually inaccurately. And so simultaneously, he's going to recall certain details, the things that his brain focused on with extraordinary Accuracies, right? So he can probably tell you, oh, yeah, that was a, you know, 357 Magnum with the whatever, because that's what his brain is really focusing on, because it's trying to figure out, well, how many rounds can it shoot per second? That's what it focuses on. Whereas he may never forget them. Okay, so they're there, but he not may not be able to recall them so well. Now, when we think about this, this is, it's really complex. And so, this is why it's interesting, especially when you have, you know, cases that are brought forward, you know, rape cases, sexual abuse cases, and, and oftentimes the investigator or whatever, if they haven't had any training, and they're like, well, why do you have these discrepancies, you know, in, in your story, in, in, in your narrative? And so then they think that you're not telling the truth. Well, they haven't been trained to understand how the brain works. So first, let's consider, and you guys know the PFC, the prefrontal cortex, right? And so this part of our brain is responsible for our executive functioning. So including focusing attention where we choose. This is where rational thought processes um, take place and inhibiting impulses. So what happens is for that officer or for us during this time the prefrontal cortex that you're using, I'm going to say right now, if you're listening to me or maybe reading something, it's trying to absorb. It's trying to absorb without actually getting distracted by other thoughts in your head that might be moving around. However, though, in high stress, fear or, or terror or combat situations or sexual assault, the prefrontal cortex is impaired. And we talked about this, how it gets flooded with these different chemicals, right? And so then sometimes what happens is we're going to say it kind of shut 
down or it's impaired by these chemicals, the stress chemicals, especially cortisol. Okay. So now think about what happens. Now, most of us have probably, I'm going to say experience being suddenly confronted like with an emergency. And so where, you know, one demands like a certain type of, you know, clear thinking. And we find ourselves, I'm going to say precisely when we need our, our brain to work at its best, that it becomes bogged down and it seems unresponsive, right? That's where we get the whole idea of, you know, the freeze. And you guys remember the four F's that we've talked about before, right? The fight, the flight, the freeze, and the fawn. Right. So for those of you that are taking the course, I think that's in uh, the second or third module. You're going to be going into that uh, quite extensively so you can understand which one that yours actually falls into. So when that prefrontal cortex, that executive center in our brains, it goes offline. And so now we are less able, I'm going to say, to willfully control what we actually pay attention to and less able to make sense of what we are experiencing. And so, therefore, you're less able to recall our experience, I'm going to say, in an orderly way. So if I were to ask you, well, give me, you know, the, the, the events that happen in, you know, sequential order, you probably wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to do it because the memory is, is fragmented and it's deciding on, well, this was important, but this wasn't. And so it's throwing detail to this and whatever in the background or maybe not even remembering it. But inevitably, I'm going to say um, at some point during the traumatic experience, when, when the fear kicks in, um, when it does, it's just no longer the prefrontal cortex that's running the show. So it's the amygdala. And you guys, I know, remember this, right? So the brain's fear circuitry, that amygdala. Okay. And so once that fear circuitry takes over, it's not the prefrontal cortex that controls the, where the attention goes. And so that's why sometimes um, when I'm working with survivors, they're like, man, I, I, I just have this feeling. I don't have any memories of the thing, but I just have this feeling. And I, I think I shared with you guys one client I had, and so they would just get this feeling. Every time either they would go down towards the basement or the word basement was mentioned. And so they couldn't com- connect the fragmented m- memories to what happened until we started working and did some work there. Uh, but they would have the feeling. So the feeling piece. And so that meant that during that time, what happened was the amygdala super focused on that feeling that it was feeling. And so the memory details of, you know, you know, either what the person looked like or that wasn't there because the amygdala was focusing on the feeling. Okay. And so that's what was coming through. And so, you know, that can be so frustrating when you're like, man, I got this feeling. I don't know where this feeling is coming from. And, but I don't have, if you want to say pictures or or memories or, or, or sound or whatever. And so that can be quite frustrating. And so what I want to say is this, especially when we're talking about that brain fear circuitry, which is going to alter the functioning um, and we've talked about this too, the, the hippocampus, right? And so it's affecting the hippocampus, which encodes your experiences into short-term memory and then store them into the long-term memories. Well, what, guess what fear does with all the cortisol and stuff does? It impairs your ability of your hippocampus to actually encode and store, I'm going to say, contextual information. So the layout of the room, and, and, but like I said, once again, what's happening it's focusing on something else. 
Okay. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there for the person who took the, the assessment and then, you know, uh, kind of sent me an email and saying, okay, I'm in the acknowledge phase, but the thing is I don't have that much to acknowledge because, you know, I have some of these inklings and feelings that something happened and it seems like, uh, but I can't put a full detail picture around it. So to you on to say, you're normal. That's what I just want you to realize. I want you to realize that you're actually normal, and that happens for a lot of survivors. And it's interesting, oftentimes, either when we start doing um, the workshops and process, because I have uh, some different things where we do timelining and, and different events like that. And it's just so interesting as when we start going a little bit deeper, of course, into the subconscious, those things actually start coming forward. And there's just something about having them in front that they just start to trigger and jog other pieces of the memory. And so then what happens sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes, so then that feeling starts to connect with maybe a little bit of a picture or more contextual information. Here's the thing, you don't have to have all the details, right, all the details. And so, but most people have enough. And I always tell people, you know, if you, if you have enough to move forward, then that's what we work with. We work with what you, what you have. And the one thing about that is once we learn how to work with what we have, the great thing is if other things come up, now we have the tools, we have the strategies, and we have the processes to work through it. And that's what's so great about this. That's what's so great about coaching. That's what's so great about what I do is because then you have the tools and things and so, you know, it's like, you know, the whole adage of teaching the person to fish. And so as we work with what you have, you're learning the processes and learning how to work with those things. So if something else comes up, guess what? Now you've got the tools in order to work and to deal with them. All right, guys. So that's it. That's this is kind of our makeup session since we didn't have our wonderful celebrity here this morning, uh, you know, but I'll talk with them. I know his schedule is, is busy, but I'm hoping that he will have an opportunity to, to come in and share with us. You, Some of you guys have met uh, him at one of, I think he came to one of our, our workshops. He dropped in for a while, which was really cool. I wasn't expecting him uh, to, but he did, and that was really great. And Sometimes things like that just happen. All right, guys, take a deep breath in, especially if you have wonderful clean air this morning, wherever you are. Let it out and just be grateful that you can actually breathe. Like I said, for those, once again, October 1st through the 3rd, I'll be in Dallas, Texas. All right. If you're vaccinated, you want to meet, give me a shout at safeplaceformen at gmail.com, and I'll see what we can do. We can fit it into our schedule. Hey, I'm looking forward to, to meeting you, learning more um, about you, and, and if there's ways I can help you, and if you decide you want to go through the program, hey, then let's talk a little bit more about that. All right, guys, until our next time, hey, remember, first of all, you are not alone, okay? So there's, there's more than 25, 26 million of us. And that's just here in, in the United States, right? So you are not alone. And then the second thing I just want to encourage you, don't wait. I, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get personal here and use my own family. Don't wait, don't wait, you know, whatever. May not be vaccination, but I'm going to say don't wait to get the help that you need. That's why Safe Place for Men is here. So let's just talk about it. This may not be, you know, um, I'm going to say 
the process for you, but we can talk about that. We can discuss that because maybe you're at a different level. Maybe coaching isn't for you. Maybe something else is. But wouldn't it be great to at least just have the conversation to to know a, a little bit more like, hey, you know what? OK, so uh, let's move in this direction to at least have some options and understanding of that. And then, of course, our final thing is make sure that you're safe. So be safe. All right, guys, until our next podcast, have a great weekend.